1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we
0: touch him? No, don't.
1: Help me! Help! Help! Thank you for joining us here on the Ward Scott Files, the Jeffrey Meldon Law Studios, protected by Crime Prevention Studios. Uh, I am joined this morning by managing editor for the alachua chronicle you know her you love her you love her writing and uh jen it's a real pleasure to have you here t- this morning on the show and hopefully we as we kind of teased out in the title uh can get through a bunch of uh local and tallahassee news i know you keep up with a lot of this stuff uh god bless you for doing that i know it's uh <laughs> somewhat meaningless or uh heartless work but uh we certainly appreciate uh everything that you do here and uh all the readers do as well. How are you doing this morning?
2: Doing great. Thanks. I'm glad to be here.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, first of all, if you've are if you been living under a rock, uh, the Alachua Chronicle uh, is partnered with the Ward Scott Files, but the Alachua Chronicle under Jennifer's leadership is really uh, the go-to as far as local news and what's really happening and what's really the truth, in my opinion. Uh, I think they outshine any competition uh, that's out there, and I really can't say enough about what you do. Jen, What what is it uh, that really kind of got you originally interested in starting the Alastair Chronicle, uh, just to kick us off here?
2: Sure. Um, it was probably 2018 that I found myself in between jobs and didn't really need to work, but uh, you know, from a financial point of view, but I, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next with my life. And I found myself yelling at the Gainesville Sun every morning, and really got <laughs> <the> <laughs> yeah, it was less about uh less about the articles at the time, but more about the mismatch between the headlines and the articles. They seemed to be trying to manipulate us into feeling a certain way about stories by the headlines, and then, as you read it to the story, sometimes the headlines weren't even accurate. Sometimes they were contradicted by what was in the story. So I got, I got irritated. I started paying attention to, for example, Gainesville city commission decided I could do a better job telling the story of what went on in those meetings. And that I, and I decided that was important that you can get national news anywhere. Everybody has their favorite sources for national news, um, State news is a little more not everybody knows where to find state news, but um, local news, if, if a reporter does not go to that meeting, you have no way of knowing what happened unless, you know, until the minutes come out, which is often weeks later. So mm-hmm. reporters are critical at the local level. So so my top priority is uh, Gainesville City Commission, because that really affects even if you live in an outlying community, chances are you go to businesses in Gainesville, you drive yeah. through um, that that really is the the major Part of our county, so what they do matters. So I cover Gainesville City Commission, Alachua County Commission, School Board, and then um, you know anything else I can I can get to, and in, in all the abundant free time that's left over after doing that.
1: <laughs> well, very good. Well, um, I had written down a, a couple of things that I wanted to try to to get to, and I'll just kind of read through the list here for the viewers, and then we'll just kind of start picking them off one by one. Of course. At the bottom of the hour, we'll have our regular break, and uh, we can kind of, uh, you know, continue on after that. But uh, probably the hottest one would probably be uh, permitless carry. Also talked a little bit about our wrote-down school vouchers and tort reform. Uh, The WOKE woke Act, which is really kind of, as you said earlier off-camera, kind of the anti-DEI Act. And then something uh, about the affordable housing. Those are sort of things about... Uh, the governor and what's happening in Tallahassee. Which one of those do you want to kind of tackle first?
2: Let's start with permitless carry. It's, that's the one I've spent the most time on because I did spend, if people are interested in this permitless carry issue, which is not, even as the governor said, constitutional carry. It's not even close. Uh, mm-hmm. But if so, if you're interested in what this bill does say, I did write about that yesterday and it's um, it's on the homepage of Alachua Chronicle. And And the main thing is that like I said, it's not constitutional carry. It's really permitless carry, which is almost all the same uh, restrictions on getting a permit, concealed carry permit in Florida. The difference is you just don't have to get the permit. But um, there's a long list of, of things that are required for people who can permitless carry. A lot of people cannot permitless carry. I'm worried that People will think they can, but just because it's being framed as constitutional carry, um, we yeah. can't open carry. It turns out we are Florida, no, Florida, New York, and Illinois are the only states that do not have some form of open carry. And so that was, I actually only learned that yesterday. That was astonishing to me. Yeah, um, And I, I think the biggest thing people need to know that is that they did not, in 2018, I think, right after Marjory Stoneman-Douglas, they um, made it so that 18-, 19-, and 20-year-olds cannot purchase guns. And um, I, they didn't that, – that should have been reversed. That's silly. And the, apparently the Senate president said that that wasn't even going to be on the table for the Florida Senate. And, yeah, I don't understand how a, a bill that was passed five years ago is suddenly untouchable. Yeah. And, you know, to say that if you're 19, 20 years old, you're out on your own, you've graduated from high school, you're living, you know, a family maybe, that you can't have a gun and defend yourself is ridiculous. So it's not constitutional carry by any means, but it, it, it is a step forward. Um, it's, just a, it's just not constitutional carry.
1: Yeah, and in, in, uh, sometimes I kind of recoil a little bit, no pun intended, that the Tallahassee legislature, it has a super majority right now. They can drive through whatever legislation they really want. Uh, They have basically earned that privilege uh, through voting and through their agenda and what they've been putting through. So uh, I'm sort of taken back sometimes when I see this, you know, self-imposed government, you know, restriction that they have on doing some of these things. You know, that bill's HB 543. I thought it would have been funny if they had called it 556 or 380 or something like that. But uh that's neither neither here nor there yeah and on the lateral chronicle you've got i mean you've got 13 different points of things that people really could you know 13 bullet points that people could learn from uh, so certainly head over to com and get that it's on the cover page uh, and, and like if you
2: refer- if any one of those things does not apply to you and you're like oh you know anybody can carry a gun and you can and you and you carry a concealed firearm it is a felony now but mm-hmm. so just not understanding that this this whole long list when it's all being framed as anybody can carry a gun
1: now. Yeah, sort of the optics versus the reality there on something like that. So th- what uh if you if you don't fall into one of these categories, are you still supposed to go through the entire permit process like we used to do three days ago? Do you well, know? so you
2: still couldn't get a permit? These are the same restrictions on people who can get permits.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: They haven't changed. The only difference is that you you don't need the training and you Mm -hmm. don't need the background check that you would need for a permit. But other than that, it's the same restrictions on the people who can get permits now.
1: I see. I see. And I mean, any self-respecting gun owner and uh, concealed carry holder you've got to have, you really have to do your own training, uh, just because the government doesn't say you need to, uh, you know, that's totally irresponsible. As far as I'm concerned, I would never carry a gun without having regular training and, you know, practice and that sort of thing. Um, I'm sure you feel the same way.
2: Yes. And on top of the being familiar with your firearm, um, it's important to be familiar with the law on where you can use it. And, Mm -hmm. Well, where you can use it. There's still a very long list, talk about not constitutional. There's a very long list of places you cannot carry a gun in Florida. And um, among them are uh, a lot of most government buildings, most educational institutions, bars, et cetera. But also in what circumstances you can use your gun without it being a crime for you to use it. Mm-hmm. And that's important to know. that the law is different everywhere. And yes, we have pretty solid stand your grounds in Florida stand your ground laws in Florida, but you still need to know what does that mean? There was a guy just last week who was arrested here because a guy came up on his porch and was bugging him. And now that is your, if somebody's on your porch, that is castle doctrine, right? But he chased him away, chased him around the corner of his house and shot him and was arrested for attempted murder. So, um, or yeah, aggravated battery or something, whatever it was they decided, but point is it's, you can't just chase somebody around the corner and shoot them. That's not uh, that's not castle doctrine. So you need to know and you need to know when you're out in public what under what circumstance you can't shoot somebody. It has to be a basically a life or death situation. You have to fear that your life is in danger and be able to make that case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of those one of the things that when I went through training is you have an expert in front of you that can kind of answer these questions real time as they come up into your head. Uh, I'm a little bit hesitant of people, uh, you know, going to their buddy. Or you know going to just any any person or seeing something online and kind of taking that for gospel uh, without reading the law without really consulting a professional you know we've got uh, you know in Newberry, for instance, we have uh, multiple gun stores uh, those guys are are pretty pretty good, uh, but they're not really a substitute necessarily for an expert because you might just be talking to a sales guy who knows a lot about guns but doesn't necessarily know about the law. Uh, so anybody that's really kind of interested in pursuing this, I really think they should probably consult some experts uh, on that for sure. And there's other you know, good national groups uh, as well. I know uh, I've got some affiliations with the U, uh, USCCA. Uh, Gun Owners of America is a pretty good resource. We have Luis Valdez here locally. And I know that Luis is really up on on all of this stuff and uh, it probably be, would be one of my go-tos or at least on my list. Uh, Thank you. Uh, If you're joining us right now, uh, I'm Tim Martin. I'm substituting here, kind of pinch hitting for Ward Scott here on the Ward Scott files. Uh, We're in the remote uh, Jeffrey Meldon Law Studio protected by crime prevention and security systems. Uh, Yesterday, I had a little bit of trouble with the feed uh, because I was just on my phone, but today I've got uh, a computer set up. So if you do have some comments, uh, I think I can do a better job of watching the comment section here. So I appreciate Michael and Jennifer and um mark joining us already jim murphy good morning good to see you jennifer so we talked a little bit about permitless carry um do you know if have, have you followed much about school vouchers for instance uh, that was actually hb1 i believe so by rank and priority the first uh you know um uh, bill is usually the highest priority so uh do, did you follow that very much
2: I haven't read the details on that one. It, it's basically that pretty much every family in Florida um, has access now to school vouchers, which is just, uh, uh, you know, they, some some amount of money based on what the, the state would give you, would give your public school and you can use it for a private school. You can use it for homeschooling. You mm-hmm. can, use, it's, it's, it's much broader than it yeah. was. And um, they also, it comes with this kind of weird guide people like that help you figure out how you can use it. Um, but, and there's also some, it's kind of being ramped in. So initially, um, lower income children will have priority, but it's still, it's pretty high at something like 185% of median. And it's, it's, it's moved up and it will continue to move up. They're kind of ramping it up just to avoid having a major budget hit in any given year. I see. But, um, see. but it's, it's certainly a lot more available than it was, of course, locally. Yeah. Um, Certainly what we've run into in the past few years is there's, there's no seats. Like the, the private <laughs> schools, are, um, during COVID, they filled up, and I don't know if that's still the case. But uh, there's, I, I think there's a real, if you're, if you're thinking to start a school, I think there's a, there'll be real opportunities um, for both charter schools and private schools in the near future.
1: Well, you're reading my mind because that's exactly what I was thinking. It's great to have a voucher, but if there's no seat for your child to be in, what good's your voucher? and i was also thinking uh because i had a, a conversation um at the uh, the state convention with somebody and he, his concern was actually whether or not because you have these dollars going into potentially private schools or charter schools that there is this toe in the door the camel's nose under the tent about getting these federal dollars into some of these private institutions that they can therefore use as a wedge uh, to get in on some of the two or not the uh, tuition, but the curriculum and how they can potentially drive some of the curriculum. Have you heard any of those concerns or do you have any of them yourself?
2: I have and I have not had a chance to read the final bill, but my understanding is that was fixed. Um, Is that So because there is a provision that the state, for example, cannot. Determine the curriculum of, I think it's homeschoolers. And I believe they added that to private schools also.
1: Okay. Well, that would be very encouraging if they did do that. Uh, you know, uh, from a constitutional standpoint on my end, you know the federal Department of Education is completely unconstitutional. Maybe that's something we can get into with Ted Yoho tomorrow when he appears on our Wednesday show. Uh, so good on par- permaless carry school vouchers and I, I should i should also mention uh the Wardscott files has a great sponsor is shoot gtr There certainly uh, should be considered as your expert as far as firearms go and please uh, reach out to them as well um I know that uh, DeSantis was kind of waving the flag of tort reform, and I have an insurance background. I kind of know what the lawyers do. Uh, It was my understanding back then, at least, that the the insurance companies really couldn't advertise to counter what some of the lawyers were saying about, you know, they, they never defend anything. They don't want to go to court. They're just interested in paying you zero uh, all of which really is not true from my perspective. And I work for several auto insurance companies in claims. Um, certainly keeping costs down helps ultimately premiums that are passed through to the the end user, to the customer. But what in, uh, if anything, were you able to kind of track that we could zero in on with regards to this tort reform act? I know it's kind of focused on property insurance, which isn't really my wheelhouse, but uh, what say you on that?
2: So I haven't read that one at all, but from what okay. Desantis said in the press conference, the the main things were fixing the the who's at fault. Okay. And basically, in Florida, if you are even found by a jury to be you know one percent at fault in an accident, and this I think this mainly applies to something like truck drivers and stuff that okay. the companies end up having to pay, and so as a result, they just settle to avoid the trial, but if their guy was not at all at fault, you know, then you'd be found 1% at fault for being on the road, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. So DeSantis felt like this fixed some of that, that, and I believe there's also a provision in there that, um, somebody can't come on your, come into your property. Um, I think it might be specifically with bad intentions, but I'm not sure. And then sue you.
1: I um, see. Well, that's kind of headline is has gotten a lot of traction in uh, news outlets over the years. Where you have this criminal that comes onto the criminal comes onto your property, they get hurt, and then they sue the homeowner. That's kind of what you're talking about, right? right. Okay. So if if it makes any headway towards that, I'm sure a lot of people will kind of uh, appreciate that sort of thing. Um, well, here's another one that kind of kind of hits locally with regards to the University of Florida and our completely leftist school board here. Uh it's this woke act and kind of the stop CRT DEI sort of agenda. Uh talk to us a little bit about that one.
2: So that one's interesting cuz I think it's it's something that claims to do more than it's going to do. Yeah. But from what I can tell the main thing it wants to do is get rid of DEI administrators at universities and colleges. And that's, I don't know why they're not going, maybe they can't go after school boards. I wish they'd go after school boards. Yeah, Yeah. But the, so for people who don't know, it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it's all based on CRT, critical race theory. And the whole premise behind it is that, well, you know, the the kind of surface premise is that, you know, Black people have been, they had to go through slavery and then Jim Crow. And so we need to kind of make that up by giving them extra opportunities now. But it's really gone past that. It's really now teaching white people that they are inherently bad because they belong to an oppressor race that oppresses people and that they therefore have to kind of make up for that by doing all these you know hiring whatever it is making making allowances mm-hmm. for for people of other races and so you get at the university of florida for example uh the whole this is infused everything um there's they had dei hiring badges so if you're on a hiring committee you have to go through this training so that you get rid of your implicit bias and so that you know you will hire the right people and you know i've been told privately that if you're on a hiring committee at, at UF, you're mm-hmm. really told don't hire white people unless you absolutely have to. So so this is this is bad. And it's it's very hard if you're if you're in the mindset that we have a, something to make up that needs to be done in university hiring, it's very hard to explain why this is bad, but it's but it's bad because in every endeavor, period. You get the best outcomes when you hire for merit. So yeah. it's just do you. You know, you you might think, oh, it's great. It's great that they're you know hiring un unqu- or less qualified. Maybe maybe it's not this the the person they hire. Maybe they would have gotten the job anyway. That's great, but wouldn't they rather have everybody know that they would have gotten the job anyway instead of everybody thinking, oh, you were hired because you were black? You know, it's not. I don't. I don't think it benefits anybody. Honestly, I think that anything that incentivizes merit, incentivizes hard work, incentivizes competition, is beneficial. But anyway, so we've got this going on at, at at all the universities. But it feeds down into it feeds down into classes. I've seen um pictures from presentations and journalism journalism classes where they, yeah. you know, they're teaching them um, you know, white people are, you know, are not as good or or you know are are oppressors. Uh that this then goes into the gender confusion stuff. And it's all part of it that anybody who is can be seen as oppressed, which is why it all goes back to Marxism. It's all about oppressors and oppressed. Yeah. Anybody who can yeah. be seen as oppressed um needs a needs a hand up. And anybody who belongs to a group that has historically been oppressors, um can be, um, can be just kind of set aside yeah. while you help these other people up. And so um, this needs to, and what is, has happened is that the universities, this has just taken over. These DEI administrators are now essentially the political officers. Mm-hmm. Universities, they do things that could be said. Um, you know, they, they do things like they distribute backgrounds. Um, in, for black history month, they distributed BLM backgrounds so that you know, when you people were doing a Zoom call, they would have like a BLM protest in the back. Um, so, nice. yeah, but it's 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 everywhere. It's pervasive, is what I understand at the university. And so, the this this bill cannot get rid of that, but it's trying to at least get rid of the administration, the all the money that flows to these very high-priced people who do mm. nothing but make sure that the DEI philosophy is imbued into everything and so it's supposed to get rid of some of that funding um there's been talk about getting rid of some of the crt type classes and majors but there's just huge 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 pushback to that so i don't think it's going to happen um Mm -hmm. one of the fears a lot of the people that show up to protest this talk about how there's things like the um the blacks the historically black sororities and fraternities there's um like the hispanic um student union the black student union things like that yeah. and they're very concerned that these will be removed but there's nothing in the bill that affects student groups at all it's all about faculty administration mm-hmm. So And and a faculty could sponsor one of those as long as they're not paid to do that. Well, Mm -hmm. the student union, I think, could still pay this. So the point is that a lot of the fears aren't aren't even justified about this.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) unfounded the uh, unfounded fears, uh, political theater, uh, all these stuff are like you said, they're in my words, they're they're spokes off the hub of marxism and these people are really just all uh political hacks i was talking to somebody who's a professor uh over uh, at one of the universities here in town and they said up until this up until this legislation started kind of rearing everything that they were getting every email every communication was about dei and this person actually sat on one of the search committees and it was just driven down their throat like crazy and uh you know they they said that you know there was a couple of good things that came out of it Uh, but in the at the end of the day if we are not promoting on merit um uh, it just really is going to ultimately lead to lead to bad outcomes i think you drive that point home uh very 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 well uh anything else on that or you wanted to kind of move on we're kind of cl- uh, uh, closing out this first half hour uh here on the ward scott files but um jen uh was there a couple of other things that we kind of didn't get to maybe the second half of the hour we can get a little bit more local but anything else in the t- on the tallahassee front that we haven't addressed yet
2: no, I don't think so. The, 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 I think the DEI bill is very important and it's still working its way through. And we'll, we'll see if it gets it's, it's so far, it's pretty much always every amendment has weakened it. So we'll yeah. see where they end up with that.
1: I see. I know. And I know huge
2: uh, crowds and committee stops.
1: Oh, okay. All right. And I know that, uh, you know, Ward talks about on the show, if you go to the com uh, in the archives, uh, there's some of that DEI stuff in the, in the different colleges. Uh, that we've been able to post and get our, our hands on uh, for the show. So, uh, just kind of to round out here, just a little bit off topic. If it, uh, we're able to watch the men's basketball uh, national championship last night, UConn was able to take down uh, San Diego State, and I don't really think it was much of a contest. They ended up winning that game, seventy six fifty nine, led by uh, Tristan Newton. Another uh, MLB news: the uh, the Reds beat the Cubs seven to six. Yankees over the zero and four winless Philly. Eight to one, Braves on the road beat St. Louis eight to four. Uh, and MLB or uh, NHL action. The Brewers. Uh, excuse me, actually, I didn't. I didn't write that down. So uh, my bad there. Uh, thank you all for joining us here on the Ward Scott Files. We're going to step away here at the bottom of the hour. Take our bottom of the hour break to thank our sponsors. If you are one of the sponsors, you know, please continue to support us. Uh, if you have some extra money, please support the Elatio County or Alatro Chronicle. Uh, go to com. certainly donate. Uh, Jen does a lot of this work uh, gratis, so we certainly appreciate what she does and anything that you can do to support her and help underwrite her efforts. I'm sure she would appreciate. Jen, thank you for joining us here on the first hour. Stay here on the other side of the break. We're going to get to some local news here on the Ward Scott Files. Thank you all for joining us.
0: Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold Sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscotfiles.com. And click on the advertise here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at three, five, two, two, eight, four, three, seven, three, three. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the word files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. So what you just said
1: Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy.
0: Can we touch him? No, do Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil.
1: To the Ward Scott Files, I'm Tim Martin, pinch-hitting for the Hog, the Ward... Scott. Uh, here this morning, uh, probably be here tomorrow. Uh, make sure you join us tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern uh, for our weekly session with uh, former Congressman Ted Joho. But today we have the pleasure for another half hour to talk with the one and only Jennifer Cabrera, Managing Editor of the Alachua Chronicle. So, Jennifer, thank you for joining the Word Scott Files here in the Melbourne Law Studios, protected by crime prevention security systems. We talked a little bit about DeSantis and Tallahassee in the first half of the hour, so if you're just getting a chance to join us, Go back to the show uh, afterwards and, and kind of get a recap on all that stuff or just head over to com and see all the great coverage that Jennifer has been doing over there. But let's turn a little bit local uh, for the second half here. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on over at the school board. Um, we've got zoning. We've got budget. We've got discipline issues, all of the above going on, and they really just can't seem to make any headway on it. Any of those. So let's tackle rezoning first, and what uh, what do you what do you know on on the the rezoning front?
2: So they've decided to rezone four elementary schools, and they're calling it spot rezoning. And the the problem is that you know some of those are overcrowded, and so they're hoping to kind of redistribute the kids. One mm-hmm. of them is the the new Chihuahua, which mm-hmm. took all the kids from old Williger and moved them significantly West. So they're, it's kind of a problem because their families don't live near the schools anymore, school anymore. And apparently there's not even any bus routes to get over there. So it's really difficult for parents to be involved. They want, I don't know how they're going to honestly, like there's too many of them to actually fix that, but whatever. So they asked, the school board asked in February, I think the School. the superintendent is to start a full elementary rezoning for this fall. But I guess um, behind the scenes, they decided to just do these four schools and kind of brought that back to the board. That was never voted on by the board. And by the way, that was only the full rezoning was ever voted on by the board. And it was voted on during member request. It was never on an agenda. So when uh, this a week or two, two weeks ago, I guess, Kay Abbott brought up um, stopping the spot rezoning, which is going to take well into probably May, and that leaves people not knowing where their kids whether to go for kindergarten roundup, where their kids going in the fall it's very going to be very last minutes and she, she suggested postponing it and doing a full rezoning next year with plenty of time and actually, Superintendent Shane Andrew also said that um, he would prefer that, so he recommended delaying the spot rezoning. And um, basically, Tina Certain, chair of the school board, and the board lawyer said that they couldn't vote on that because it was during member request and it wasn't on the agenda, which mm-hmm. is exactly how we got here, was doing it not on the agenda. But suddenly they couldn't vote on it because it was not on the agenda. So well,
1: they realized the error of their ways.
2: <laughs> yes, that's what it was. <laughs> and so um, they're still going through with all the special meetings about the spot rezoning and um the, it is back on the Kay did get it back K Abbott did get it back on tonight's agenda. So it is on tonight's school board agenda. That meetings at six. Um they do have a call-in comment time. Um and so you can call in and comment or you can show up um to to exp- to try to get them to stop this. It's it's I think almost everybody agrees that well the other thing is that they are promising that these four schools will be not zoned again mm-hmm. next year. They, I'm not sure they can do that. I'm not sure that makes sense. Yes.
1: Yeah, so. it's, it's it's, this is such a band approach. And I know Dr. McNeely had talked about, well, we don't need, we need to address this. So we're not kicking the can down the road. But you're kicking the can down the road because you're addressing it for some and and not addressing it for others. Uh, I know there's actually a uh, stop the spot rezoning uh, change.org petition right now. People can head over to change.org and look that up and and sign that. But uh, it's very important to email the school board members or call them and try to show up to this meeting tonight. I know it's sort of last minute, uh, but you can email them at boardmembers at gm.org sbac.edu at the bottom of the hour break we usually do weather i was kind of remiss and forgot all about that thank you to lewis oil company for sponsoring uh, the weather check here in the piney woods of north central florida Uh, right now it's in the low 70s potentially getting up to the high 80s maybe even the low 90s later today no chance of rain so if you need to get the sprinkler out and dust it off you better figure out how to do that so you can get some water On the ground, because I'm not sure there's any uh, rain in the near future over the next couple of days, either here in north central Florida locally. I don't know how it is, uh, you know, where all of our viewers are, but uh, that's at least locally here in north central Florida. Uh, Jen. Uh, The rezoning is one issue, uh, but the busing is another issue and discipline is a big problem. I know you mentioned that a little bit uh, off camera to me. And have you had have you had a chance to even get your head around that part of what's going on in the school board?
2: Discipline. Um, So this just kind of keeps coming up Mm -hmm. as. There's an overall discipline issue that we read about last year, but um, it came mm-hmm. up again last week because there was a big fight at Oakview, yeah. uh, apparently hundreds of kids, you know, egging on the, the kids who are fighting. Yeah, and It's not, I don't even know if it was the fight itself that was that much bigger than usual as that this is too regular of an occurrence. And I believe it's at all the middle schools and probably all the high schools that we have a significant discipline problem. And that's honestly, that's a big problem of the busing problem too, is that the school bus drivers are don't, they don't get paid enough to deal with fights on their buses and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. So the, the problem we have with discipline in this county is that is, is similar to the problem at UF. With the DEI is that it's mm-hmm. it's all it all ends up being about do we want to how do we deal with this person based on on their race or mm-hmm. or their gender or whatever. But how what what excuses are we going to make as opposed yes. to here's there's a consequence to this behavior. Everybody has the consequence. Um, you know, and then it, we're, it, we're they're putting too many violent kids back in classrooms there's just no doubt about that
0: mm-hmm.
2: so that 's certainly a big thing, and they 're disruptive it 's not fair to uh, the other children how disruptive some of these kids are um they, the one interesting thing that came up so board member Diane McGraw is has come up with an idea for another alternative school to mm-hmm. make more space to move these kids out of out of the classroom where when right. they're different. and it's funny because apparently we need this because the superintendent said that we can't move all all the kids that qualify for this alternate our current alternative school can't be moved there because they're from what he called rival community groups. Let me just say that that is a clearly a euphemism for gangs.
1: <laughs> gangs. Just just use the word. Why do we got to uh, tiptoe around all of this stuff? And, and certainly discipline. We're not discounting the fact that parents have a huge role in making sure that their children are disciplined and prepared to go to school adequately. Uh, but the schools do have a role because you know, unfortunately, this leftist agenda comes with basically a consequence-free society. You can kind of do whatever you want, especially uh, if you're in some uh, catered to group, whether it's financially or uh, ethnically or whatever you want it to be. But if there's no consequences, what are these kids, you know, what are we telling these kids? You can do whatever you want. There's no, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. And they probably have, especially the the repeat offenders, have probably got the sense that, uh, you know, nothing's going to happen to me anyway, so why should I curb my behavior at all, right? Uh, all right. So let's uh let's kind of move on and try to get to a couple of county issues. Uh, before we do that, I just want to take a quick look at the comment section. Thanks again, Jim and uh, Mark, for joining us here on the show. Uh, you can see a comment in there from production that Ward Scott is uh, doing better after going to the hospital yesterday to get his oil changed and get his checkup and uh doing all that stuff i'm sure he'll be able to share some more information with you when you get back i don't want to or when he gets back i don't want to steal any of his thunder but on the county commission level uh Jennifer what is on your radar right now
2: so the county commission is dealing with a whole bunch of kind of special topics so just today they have a meeting on um i forget what the morning one is the morning oh the morning one is I forgot, so three special meetings today, and it, the the one at one thirty is the they're looking into issues at the jail um mm-hmm. one of them is the phone system yeah, and um how much it's it, how much it costs prisoners to make phone calls, and uh, you know frankly, it does seem to be a racket um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh. Anyway, they're gonna be talking about that that was a big deal when they canceled that one at the last meeting at the mm-hmm. last minute um like a month ago and people were very upset um oh no that one's Thursday anyway sorry it's, it's all it's all
1: there's so and much together yeah, th- yeah. that
2: one's Thursday
1: um, yeah, at,
2: the, yeah the, um, you
1: do have a you you've got one of the stories on a uh, right. uh it's there, April yeah, 6 La County different. special meeting.
2: And then so at 130 today they're doing pavement management which is they hired a company um a while back to do a methodology for which roads they pave first. And so the new methodology is more about is less about rebuilding roads and more about trying to keep them repaired so that we can go longer before they have to be rebuilt. So they're they're trying to use they use a certain amount of money for what the roads that need to be rebuilt. But then there's um, they're trying to take a, a chunk that keeps other roads maintained and makes the repairs before they get too bad. So mm-hmm. this is what the methodology is supposed to spit out every year is like here's your list of your your top top roads to to right. be here. Well, so yeah. that was all ready to go, and then they like they said, well, this doesn't take equity into account. So now they're deciding, how, and then the the poor pavement management company was like, "We don't know what you mean, and you know here's this is this is the financial the best way financially to manage your roads
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you're now throwing in this thing that we don't know anything about the equity, and so they're discussing how what are those criteria gonna be, and they have to do with census blocks that have um lower income and um prioritizing having some amount of priorita- prioritization for the roads and those Census blocks, so your road that's got that's full of potholes and is dangerous to drive in the rain is now going lower because somebody else with you know an also bad road but maybe not as bad, but they live in a census block with low income they're going to move up the list so that's that's what they're doing and then at five o'clock today of course um the big issue is the um the meat processing plant
1: right right, so does this uh, does the jail issue stem from uh you know bigger issues in the actual jail itself? Uh, I know that the sheriff watson has has gotten kind of kind of a lot of headlines at least you know kind of around the water cooler that I spend and i don 't really understand you know all the all the details or whatever but um is 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 that connected at all
2: It is but it 's uh this is really being driven by the activists. Um, who don't like jails at all.
1: Oh, okay. Um, Consequence-free society again. Yes.
2: Um, But there's a... The the phone thing is coming from, you know, mainly activists and two commissioners because both Mary Helen Wheeler and Mary Alford have sons that are in the criminal justice system and have been to the jail. And so they have kind of firsthand knowledge of what goes on. Mm-hmm. And they want to get some things fixed. But there's also an issue with the sheriff. And this is part of why they postponed the meeting. It would be interesting to see if shows up. He did, he announced at the last minute that he wasn't showing up to the last meeting. So you've got a meeting about the jail, which is under his responsibility, and he can't be bothered to come. So mm-hmm. this is um, clearly there's staffing issues at the jail. There's staffing yeah. issues everywhere in law enforcement in this county.
1: yep, yep.
2: If you don't know this, you should because it affects you. Um, but the, the jail is seriously short-staffed. I think they're down something like a hundred positions. Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, well, we got to make sure that we protected, we got to make sure that we protect the jail because it's a great source of new voters for the supervisor of elections office. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, very good. Well, we're, uh, coming up on mid, uh, midway through the second half here. We've kind of covered a little bit of school board, covered a little bit of county, um, one of the other county issues that certainly hit home, hits home for me here as a Newberry City Commissioner is this whole idea of the meat processing plant. Uh, you have a great article out on uh, com about that, but uh, can you kind of hit some of the highlights and the lowlights of what's going on on that topic for us?
2: You probably know more about it than I do, but the because they actually haven't talked that much about it. They just keep pushing it down the road, you know, next steps, next steps, but they haven't talked that much about specifically what it is. But the idea is that it's a small local meat processing plant that enables local ranchers to bring their meat, bring their animals to this plant where they can get, um, where they can just, they don't have to travel to get their meat processed. Um, -hmm. it can provide jobs. It kind of, Fits into some development you guys are already doing in that area with like having a wastewater plant there. People say that's bad, but actually that helps um, with the the runoff from the the meat processing plant. And Mm -hmm. um, it's weird because there's the coalitions around this are very strange. Because normally I think that rural people and conservatives would support a meat processing plant, but because it's being pushed. By county chair, county board chair, and a they're suspicious of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and that, I,
2: that's. I, it seems like everybody's against it. Very few people are for it.
1: Yeah, well, I I, I believe uh, oddly enough that I actually side with Ken Cornell. I don't really, I'm not really interested in a county-owned facility out here. Uh, some of the some of the talking points are wrapped around this issue are valid and i agree with uh chair Prizia on that with you know some of the ideas of you know getting let's get us out of this whole industrial system of meat processing let's get it more uh, decentralized into some of these rural uh, areas where the actual cows are actually being produced and harvested and that sort of thing so it you know reduces carbon footprints if you buy into that but it certainly of course, reduces costs for the uh for the For the owners, because you have less mileage that you've got to drive that animal, and I I do have uh, food security concerns because if you've only got four processing facilities in the whole country, if E. coli breaks out into one of them, you're talking about 25 percent of the potential food supply. So I do believe that decentralizing the processing of meat is a big is a big deal, and I really love the idea. But you know, as a county-owned facility. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be uh, a county or a government issue. I think it should be private, and that's where I kind of diverge on the whole topic. Um, and uh, you know, the the ranchers and the cattle ran i mean, I'm sure that they're perfectly fine having somebody else put the bill for them. Uh, but I think this is uh, also a little bit of a much to do about nothing because. It's only potentially going to be about 15 animals a day and it's not going to be cattle every day. The talk has been that uh the facility will actually be processing other meats as well. Uh so to think that this is some huge massive large scale operation is just completely untrue. Uh I think because of the scale, you know, most of the odors and all of the truck traffic and all that stuff can be really really contained, but uh I sort of think of this a lot just like the uh, the equestrian center. You have a county that owns the facility. They have a management company that runs it. Uh, the county doesn't care whether or not it makes money or loses money. And guess what happens when it loses money? All those expenses fall back onto the taxpayers. So the county is also uh, negatively, in my opinion, just creating another source to throw more money away because when it doesn't Uh, You know, when it doesn't make money, they're going to have to make up the difference. And if it doesn't make uh, money, how long are we going to be able to keep the management company around to do it? And it just becomes this potential boondoggle, uh, in my opinion. So, yeah, that meeting is at five o'clock later today at the Jack Durant's building. Yet another special meeting uh, by the county commission. When does the county commission have their actual regular meetings at this point? Do you even know?
2: They're every other Tuesday. This is the one of the off Tuesdays.
1: Oh, every other Tuesday, okay, and they certainly have their hands in all kinds of things, which you know begs the question of whether it's too big, uh, too intrusive, and too expensive. All of which I think are absolutely yes, and I balance that with what we do here in uh, Newberry. We meet twice a month. We meet for a couple hours, and we pretty much get everything done uh, that needs to be done in those two meetings. and those two meetings only. Because we don't get involved in all this other stuff, we just try to stay focused on what government's supposed to be focused on and uh, leave the rest of the private sector, which I think is is the is the good approach uh about forty nine after the hour here on the Ward Scott files and the Jeffrey Meldon law Studios Jennifer uh in the last couple of minutes that we have here, let's try to tackle some of the Gainesville City. Uh, stuff going on. What is what is sort of a priority for you, and you think the viewers might be most interested in here at the city of Gainesville?
2: Well, I think everybody's most interested in um, the issues around G- GRU. Which oh, yeah. there's two prongs to that. There's one is the the JLA committee, Joint Legislative Audit Committee, that basically found that GRU's debt has too high a level, and that the city needs to start stop taking it as big of a general fund transfer. From GRU um, which will mean cutting their budget and mm-hmm. so the the question is do they have the will to do that and so alongside that Chuck Clemens has um, introduced a local bill it hasn't been we haven't seen the final language that will be April 10th right but uh, essentially it will make GRU so currently the board of directors for GRU is the city commission. This would make it a five member board appointed by the governor. And Mm -hmm. so those two issues are just sucking up all the oxygen in Gainesville right now, because it's, it's actually, I'm, I'm, we haven't seen how they, so this, the city commission needs to cut nearly a quarter of their budget. Uh Uh-huh to to get rid of the general fund transfer and do they have the will to do that i don't see it because what they keep saying is for example you know this is going to affect firefighters and police well no those are the things you're required to do what you're not required to do yeah. are all the things that they pour money into like language translation immigrant services um pads and tampons and restrooms. Um, basically, uh, according to Ed Bolarski, they've added 50 million to their budget since 2018. Well, they need to back out 24 of that. And it seems like the way to do that is just start working your way backwards. But those, the most recent things they've done are the ones that they believe, those are the ones that they brag about, right? Yeah that are the most progressive that nobody else is doing. And so it'll be interesting to see, can they walk any of that back without just the whole activist community losing their minds? And that's, I think that's why they're not talking about their projected budget cuts is because they know there's going to be a huge backlash, but that's really, they don't really have any options on the stuff they've been doing forever. They need to cut the new stuff.
1: Yeah, I think they're probably going to wait until the very last minute. Uh, the Grinna Virtue signal that it's about police cuts and fire cuts and all these things, like you said, that they're supposed to be doing instead of focusing on the stuff that they should Here's my solution. Uh, you know, I, I hate getting into the lane of just complaining all the time. Uh, here would be potentially my solution uh, for uh, the city of Gainesville. Take the next 30 days, to all your department head, cut your budget 10% the next 30 days you cut another 10% and the 30 days after that you cut another 5% and you're there if you can't find that uh you've got some real leadership issues which I I know that the Gainesville city commission does so uh that's not going to really be uh, too much of a surprise
2: um i mean they've added departments and stuff so you know you got to – you can't just now you can't you can't because the way you're doing you're now asking the police department to cut their budget by 25% they can't
1: mm-hmm. so
2: um, you know, so you, what you need to do is get rid of some of the, the departments that you've added, you know, they, they recently added a youth department, maybe they need to get rid of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. Sorry. I'm kind of, I've lost my signal there for uh, a second. Do you think the, uh, the JLAC is going to go to the extent of recommending to DeSantis to get rid of. Uh, the city commission ultimately?
2: It'll depend what they do. They have until October 1st, but I don't know. I, I I, I personally question whether they would go that far. I think they just want to scare them. I don't know. We'll see if anything comes out of this. And I don't know if we have Tim. So I'll just talk about the, uh, the, the GRU bill, the Clemens bill. So we haven't seen the language. And um, there's it'll be interesting to see whether there's more, I'm talking about the GRU bill now, um, whether there's more, um, more in the new bill, whether we're going to get something like maybe a nominating board that would nominate people that would go to DeSantis or whether it's all going to stay in DeSantis's hands or whether there's uh, maybe the city commission gets a pick. So uh, we haven't seen all that yet. And certainly the city commission is lobbying to have they want multiple seats of course they really want to control it and so the question is how do you is there a is there a happy medium between letting the governor pick all of them versus letting some local agencies maybe the city maybe the county I don't know maybe I don't know but having some local input into that board without yeah without giving the city commission a majority on the board because that just puts us back where we are. And honestly less because the city commission at least has a fiduciary duty. You'd, if they just pick all their buddies from the activist community, who knows what we get?
1: Yeah, I personally, uh, even as the Republican party chair, I don't see that as a good solution, having the government or having the governor choosing all of these people. And this, you, you tacked onto that, the idea of, him potentially controlling you know, Disney, it sort of just starts steering towards centralization of a lot of stuff. And you're right, we haven't got all of the details and the bullet points out of all of this, and it could certainly change down the road. Uh, but hey, newsflash, DeSantis isn't going to be the governor forever. So stop acting like that's the only solution uh, that we potentially have. I'm surprised that the the GRU customers are not just absolutely infuriated, And really driving the bus, you know, we talk uh, euphemistically about the the torches and the pitchforks. Uh, Gosh, if I was on GRU, I think uh, the the, the torches and the pitchforks would have uh, come along a long time ago. I I can't believe that people put up with this kind of nonsense. It's it's
2: amazing. I really thought in the fall elections that the high GRU prices would drive some change at the city commission, and it really didn't. So Mm -hmm. I I think that there's still an, an ideological um, the slant that that people do not trust people that aren't Democrats, and they're just going yeah. to for the Democrats, and you know for the same reason. Yeah, they want changes to your you, but they don't want Desantis to have a say in that. So, and and I agree with you. I don't I don't like it being appointed by the governor you know maybe maybe in 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 maybe another happy medium might be for the governor to appoint the first round and just get something in place and get moving and then you know as terms end you know they're going to do it staggered so you know in a year ramp up some advisory board some nominating committee right to 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 nominate the next person that rolls off the board and kind of move it more local over time
1: there's
2: There's a lot of ways this can be, and I don't know whether there's any will to do anything except a governor-appointed board. But um, I would be in favor of something, and I don't. I, I I'd really like to see a whole bunch of smart people get in a room and really talk about all the ideas they have.
1: Yeah it can it can be figured out. Well, we're closing out here the hour. Uh I'm getting a couple flashes here on my computer that I'm not really too crazy about. So let's call it a day there. Uh Jennifer from the Alatro Chronicle managing editor editor of the dot I am Tim Martin guest hosting for uh the wonderful Ward Scott uh here on the Ward Scott Files and Jeffrey Melden Law Studio protected by your friends over at Crime Prevention uh, security systems. Head over to lateralchronicle.com donate to her, uh, read a couple of stories, drive the algorithm up for her. Jennifer, thank you all for joining us, or thank you very much for joining us here today on the show, and uh, visit us back tomorrow. We'll have Congressman Ted Yoho here on the Ward Scott Files. Thank you all, and have a great rest of your day.